You're listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast with Dr. Cameron Marshall. Ask Concussion Doc is a show where we answer your questions about concussions, treatment, and rehabilitation to help practitioners better manage these injuries. Enjoy the show. Everyone, welcome to Ask Concussion Doc, episode number 41. This episode here, we're going to talk about the new concussion guidelines that came out across Canada. Uh, That was, what, two weeks ago, a week ago? Um, uh, They came out from the Canadian Olympic and Paralympic Sport Institute. Uh, Those bodies govern, um, the obviously, the Canadian Olympic and Paralympic sports, as well as the National Development Athletes, which is the next gen, as well as provincial sport organizations uh, for these types of sports. And um, these guidelines um, were very, very well done. They were actually um, created in August of 2018 is when they were finalized. And so it's been a while uh, since then. So they kind of acknowledged that and they they acknowledged also that the research is evolving and changing. And so they're actually going to seek to update these guidelines on a yearly basis as new evidence comes out, uh, which I think is a tremendous well, it's a tremendous task, but it's also great that they're that they're willing to take that on because this stuff does change quite rapidly. Uh, so, who are these guidelines for? These gu- guidelines are for national sport organizations, national development athletes, and also provincial sport organizations. Um, the evidence recommendations of the guidelines are broken down into recommendations or suggestions. Recommendations are high-level evidence, level uh, one to three and suggestions are either there's limited evidence to support that uh, or the evidence that does exist is of of lower quality and that's level four or five evidence. Um, So their their disclaimer, as I mentioned, these guidelines are current as of August 2018. Uh, The Canadian Olympic Paralympic Sport Institute Network concussion guidelines will be reviewed annually and updated with any new medical and scientific advances. The, in the concussion definition, so I'm going to break it down by sections. The sections are number one is concussion definition. Number two is sport concussion policy, protocol, and education. Number three is preseason clinical assessment, uh, which is their healthy uninjured uh, baseline tests. Uh, four is concussion recognition and removal from sport participation for medical evaluation. Number five is acute sport concussion assessment and management, which includes sideline assessment as well as clinic assessment. Uh, And then there's a section on management, which is kind of the return to sport process. Uh, They have a full section on return to sport, persistent symptoms, and that is it. So I'm gonna start here in the concussion definition section. Um, They make the first line of this kind of sets the tone for the guidelines. And what they say here is, Currently, healthcare professionals lack a gold standard assessment tool to reliably and objectively determine uh, whether an athlete has sustained a sports-related concussion and or definitively ascertain whether or not they have recovered. So that line there kind of sets up the tone, and this is one of the problems with concussion. We don't have any gold standard measure. We don't have a way of actually confirming that a concussion has occurred. And uh, they make mention of that here, and that's also why they've included baseline testing for all of their athletes involved in high-risk sport to try and improve our ability to detect and improve our ability to make proper decisions in terms of return to play clearance. They also go on to say there is a challenge of athletes who want to return to sport quickly. 
any one of you guys that's listening that manages concussions on a regular basis knows that you're either having to deal with the athlete, the athlete's coach, or the athlete's parents in trying to hold them back from sport. And usually, you're, the only thing you have to go on is the uh, symptoms. And as soon as their symptoms go away, you're gonna get arguments from the coach, the athlete themselves, as well as their parent that, my symptoms are gone, I'm ready, I'm feeling better, I'm back to 100%. And it's very difficult as a practitioner to try and convince them that symptoms don't mean anything. In fact, because physiologic recovery outlasts um, symptomatic recovery, and that's why these guys have put baseline testing in, and that's why we've been using baseline testing for the past five years, and our protocol is very similar to the ones that they came up with, so uh, very happy to see that. It's a multifaceted approach, um, but I think this stuff is important to note, that we don't have a gold standard, so having as much information as possible uh, allows us to make better decisions when it comes to concussions. This should be the standard of care across all sports um, because of that, that reason. Um, so their definition is very much like Berlin. I'm not going to really go into it. Traumatic brain injury induced by biomechanical forces, yada, 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 blow to the face, head, neck, or elsewhere on the body with an impulsive force transmitted to the head. Rapid onset of short-lived impairment of neurologic function that resolves spontaneously. Um, um, injury is functional, not structural, so therefore imaging doesn't show a concussion. We all know this. Um, may or may not involve loss of consciousness. In fact, more than 90% of concussion cases do not result in a loss of consciousness, so that's an important point to drive home. Okay, sport concussion policy, protocol, and education. Um, all high-risk Olympic winter, summer, uh, Olympic winter and summer national sport organizations must have an up-to-date sport concussion policy and protocol in place that at is at a minimum compliant with Rowan's Law. So Rowan's Law is the legislation that began in Ontario, uh, well, it's currently confined to Ontario, no other provinces have done this, but first part of that is one, is concussion education and awareness for all coaches, athletes, and stakeholders. Number two is having a code of conduct where athletes are not maliciously going out and trying to harm people with intent. Uh, number three is having a removal from sport policy where anyone suspected of having a concussion gets removed from the sport. And number four, having a return to sport policy, whether that be a signed letter from a healthcare practitioner, or whether or not that be uh, return to play steps and stages and baselines and whatever else, uh, that's up to the organization themselves. However, there are obviously some suggestions within this document. Um, high risk, what they define as high risk Olympic winter sports, just so everybody is aware. High risk Olympic winter sports include alpine skiing, freestyle skiing, ski jumping, snowboarding, speed skating, both short and long track, figure skating, ice hockey, bobsleigh, skeleton, and luge. So each one of those sports is considered a high risk sport, okay? Alpine, freestyle, ski jumping, snowboarding, speed skating, figure skating, hockey, bobsled, skeleton, and luge. High risk Olympic summer sports include boxing, wrestling, uh, football, AKA soccer, rugby, basketball, cycling, track, road, BMX, and mountain biking, all included, equestrian, field hockey, gymnastics, trampoline, handball, judo, 
synchronized swimming, taekwondo, volleyball, water polo, diving, athletics, and that is pole vault. So none of the other track sports made it in, but pole vault they consider to be a high-risk sport. High-risk Paralympic winter sports, para-alpine, para-snowboard, and sledge hockey. High-risk Paralympic summer sports include paracycling, para-equestrian, judo, uh, volleyball, soccer, wheelchair basketball, wheelchair rugby, goalball, and wheelchair athletics. And they've included all wheelchair athletics there, not just um, certain sports. So as you can see, a large number of sports in both Summer and Winter Olympics uh, and Paralympics are considered in the high-risk um, categories. Okay, this is important for the recommendations that get made below. Preseason clinical assessment. We suggest that all high-risk sport athletes undergo every season a biographical information assessment which details a past medical history such as previous concussions, other injuries, yada, 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 as well as baseline testing including uh, the SCAT-5, which is Sport Concussion Assessment Tool, SCAT-5. Uh, a vestibular and ocular motor assessment, which could include visual acuity, the King-Devic test, or the VOMS. Um, VOMS is a baseline I'm a little bit questionable on. I think King-Devic is probably a really good one to include. Um, and then also a web-based neurocognitive or neuropsychological assessment, including either impact or cog state or cog sport, uh, however you want to say that. Um, and that's it. So there's, there's the SCAT, there is, uh, which includes kind of a, a, a brief balance portion. Uh, there's a vestibular visual, ocular motor portion, and then there's also the neurocognitive portion. Okay, a multifaceted assessment battery. Um, I think that's very important because any one of these tools by themselves is kind of useless when it comes to concussion management. And so having a multifaceted battery, I think is extremely important uh, for these reasons here to be able to identify concussions. And um, they recommend that the baseline be done as part of the, um, they recommend that it be done by a qualified healthcare professional, either an AT, physiotherapist, chiropractor, etc., under the supervision of the team physician during the annual comprehensive medical intake. So when they're doing all the other stuff uh, for the athletes on an annual basis, that's probably when the baseline should be done. Athletes should avoid alcohol or caffeine prior to the baselines, and they should also come in well rested, right? You want athletes performing at their optimal abilities when you're going to do their baseline test. Uh, next category number four, concussion recognition and removal from sport participation for medical evaluation. Um, they, they suggest in here that recognition and diagnosis and a timely clinical assessment is extremely important for limiting the risks of premature return to play and also improving the recovery and outcome for athletes. And so uh, you want to get them in to see somebody uh, as quickly as possible. They also introduce the concept here of medical team. Okay, so in previous, in the, in the parachute guidelines, they say it should be just a physician only. What these guys uh, make recommendations is that the medical team be involved in the assessment, diagnosis, clearance, etc. And they say the medical team is ATs, physiotherapists, chiropractors, or the team physician. They recommend that at least one person from the medical team is on site at all practice and training um, events or competitions. This individual, individual should also be trained and experienced uh, in the assessment and management of concussions so that the person that's on site actually kind of knows what they're doing. 
obviously makes sense. The athlete must report to the medical team for an assessment. Uh, or if the medical team is not there, they should try to go and find the event doctor themselves um, to, to do that evaluation. Uh, if the medical team member that's there is not the team physician, the team physician should be notified and kept in the loop of the actual injury itself. Um, athletes cannot be cleared to return to, to competition by coaches or by paramedics that may be on site as on-site emergency staff. They can, however, be cleared by any member of the medical team. So whether or not that be an AT, physiotherapist, chiropractor, or the team physician themselves, based on their sideline evaluation, if they determine that based on their SCAT-5 and their clinical assessment that the athlete does not have a concussion, they can return to competition. But a coach can't make that call. A paramedic can't make that call. But the medical team members can. Uh, and then they recommend to follow the Berlin consensus, the international consensus statement for uh, all of the concussion management um, things. Uh, interesting, they don't recommend that you follow the Canadian concussion guidelines. They recommend that you follow the Berlin uh, consensus statement. So that was just kind of an interesting point that was thrown in there. Uh, next up, acute sport concussion assessment and management. Um, or sorry, this is now into the clinical assessments. The clinical assessment, if you are going to a clinic, they say that it should be the team physician if possible. Uh, if not, you can see uh, another physician or healthcare practitioner with training in concussion. Um, includes all of the typical things you'd normally expect from a concussion, thorough assessment of mental status, clinical history, um, a, a, um, you can have formal evaluations of the ocular motor system and op, uh, by an optometrist, uh, vestibular physio if necessary, if there's obviously a lot of balance impairments, and also web-based cognitive and neuropsychological testing um, should only be administered after the symptoms have gone away. So a lot of times people are using this as a diagnostic tool. It can be in areas where there, there's confusion. Um, this is how we, we've used it forever as well is that you know, you don't need to put somebody through an impact test in order to make a diagnosis. Um, if the diagnosis is, is kind of unclear and you're not sure, well then it can be very helpful for you. But the purpose of it is more on the clearance side. When you're using it, once the symptoms have gone away, well then you're going back through all your SCAT, you're going through your King Devic testing, you're going through your impact testing, and you're trying to see if there's any discrepancies there. And so you're using symptoms to guide management until there's no more symptoms, and then you're using your functional measures. This is the important part about having a baseline test is because as we mentioned earlier, the symptoms go away far before the functional deficits go away. And we have to have those, those pre-injury measurements in order to know what those functional deficits actually are. Otherwise, we're kind of you know shooting blind. Uh, and so this is what they say, web-based should be administered when the athlete is free of their concussion-related symptoms, should be interpreted by a neuropsychologist if possible. Uh, neuropsychologists are not necessarily uh, readily available all the time, um, but if you do have access to one and you are lucky enough to do that, then it should be interpreted by that neuropsychologist. Uh, other healthcare professionals can be trained to administer and interpret these tests, and so if, uh, if that's what you have access to, then that's how you would do it. Um, management. So if a concussion is formally diagnosed, they recommend that 24 to 48 hours of kind of symptom limited rest 
uh, just to allow symptoms to reduce, allow the athlete to feel a little bit more comfortable. Uh, no resistance training, no weight lifting, but you can start doing some light physical activity. No excessive mental tasks, including driving, studying, reading, social media, yada, yada, yada. Um, try to stay within a you know quiet environment, min min minimize exposure to visual and auditory stimulation, removal from potential stressful situations such as media attention or having to do interviews. Uh, obviously, you just want to kind of remove them from that. They also suggest to avoid alcohol or recreational drug use, um, maintain fluid intake, regular meals and snacking, a well-balanced diet, which is extremely important for concussion recovery. And they also say to avoid any sleeping pills, avoid any anti-inflammatory medication, narcotics, or other analgesics within that first 24 to 48 hour period, because that can mask the signs of a worsening condition. So those should be avoided in that, those early stages. Um, if you wanted to do them after, that would be under the advice of your team physician. After that first 24 to 48 hours, then you're getting gradually more back into activity. All of this stuff is pretty much based on Berlin. Uh, they actually recommend to initiate rehab uh, quite early on if there's any type of cervical component or vestibular ocular motor component that might be there. So an earlier onset of rehab um, in this particular guideline than what we saw in, in kind of the Berlin consensus. Um, so I think that's that's pretty interesting there. Um, people valuing the, the early activation of rehab. Recommended that athletes progress through a graduated exertional strategy in accordance with the Berlin and what Berlin kind of goes with is similar to the Buffalo protocol where you have that graduated treadmill test. Um, important that youth athletes get back to return to learn and school but prior to returning to sport, um, which also that's something that, that we completely agree with. Uh, when the athlete has been determined by the medical team to be free of concussion-related symptoms at rest and with exertion, we suggest that he or she repeat their baseline testing measures for their post-injury evaluation. Um, although neuropsychological test data are useful in assessing the neurocognitive sequelae of concussion, they should not be used in isolation to make the diagnosis of concussion or as the sole determinant for return to high-risk training or sport. A lot of you practitioners out there are simply relying on your impact test to make all your decisions. Although that's a valuable component, there needs to be more included, right? You need to have a more robust battery for it to be of any value uh, when doing this. Return to sport. Um, here's kind of what their guidelines are is that, well, here's what they say first is, recent evidence has demonstrated that the window for physiologic recovery typically outlasts symptom recovery. Uh, there's also evidence suggesting that the risk of musculoskeletal injury is significantly higher for athletes have, that have sustained a sports-related concussion um, in the subsequent three to six to 12 months following their concussion. One hypothesis to explain this finding is athletes may be returning to unrestricted competition prematurely before they have physiologically recovered from their concussive injury. Therefore, what they recommend for athletes returning to competition is that they have um, all of their post-concussion clinical assessments are within baseline uh, levels um, in all testing domains. Uh, the risks associated with high-risk return to sport are discussed with the athlete with prevention and risk reduction strategies. 
as an additional measure of the informed consent process, the athlete will then sign an informed consent letter acknowledging that they were explained the risks of returning to sport, their questions, if any, were answered, and they are willing to accept the risk upon return to high-risk training and sport. So this is something that's interesting and it's new, but they're actually getting athletes to sign off on their return to play uh, letter acknowledging that they understand that there's inherent risks uh, in doing so, which I think that's that's a nice little CYA message that's in there. Uh, we recommend athletes returning to unrestricted training competition only after the following circumstances have occurred. Number one, there is a complete res resolution of concussion-related symptoms at rest. Number two, there is no recurrence of concussion-related symptoms at exertion levels required for unrestricted practice or competition. This is where we then put them through the treadmill test, following by uh, practice, non-contact practice. And then thirdly, we put them through the, the Chicago Blackhawks test or the Gapsky-Goodman test, as it's now known. Uh, and then we retest them on all their baseline because number three is the athlete's post-concussion clinical and neuropsychological status has returned to individual baseline levels as judged by the team's physician and the team's consulting neuropsychologist, if available, uh, as part of their comprehensive concussion program. Then, so that's the return to sport. Then it goes into persistent symptoms. And basically it's very similar to uh, the Berlin idea is that this requires a multidisciplinary group of individuals, including team physician, physiotherapist, uh, optometrist, potentially neuropsychologist, uh, uh, ear, nose, throat doctor, um, ophthalmologist, neurologist. You know, it could be very, very, very multifaceted. And this is where cases can get a little bit complex. Psychologist, I forgot to mention in there, clinical psychologist, maybe psychiatrist, depending on uh, what is needed at that point. However, that's when we really come together as a team and we work in a collaborative multidisciplinary fashion. And this is kind of how CCMI has positioned ourselves um, for the past five or six years. So these guidelines are very, very well done, very much in line with other guidelines from around the world, very much in line with the international consensus statement. Uh, they acknowledge the importance of having objective measures in the return to play process for athletes that are involved in high risk sports uh, and I think this is uh, you know kudos to uh, the Canadian Olympic and Paralympic uh, Sport Institute for coming up with these uh, concussion related guidelines um, big step for Canada big step for Canadian sport um, and uh, hopefully will protect people from concussion related injuries um, you know for years to come so that's it for today uh, maybe I'll stick around on concussion doc and answer any questions if anybody has any um, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. See you guys. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the complete concussion management podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a review. Have questions about concussion management for future episodes, submit them to our website, Facebook, or even Instagram. See you next time.